When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. And we're live to four people. Four people are streaming this right now, Lewis Hobber. It's very exciting. Wow, Dan, that's incredible. Oh, it's almost like having all of our housemates here. <laughs> a big thank you to new Patreon supporters, ML Gardam and Tracy Walker. Thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear. Lewis, we have a live show coming up in a manner of weeks. It's our 100th episode. Uh, let me tell you who's on it. Alice Fraser is on it. Uh, Gabby Bolt is on it. Uh, Chris Taylor from The Chaser is on it. Uh, some guy called Lewis Hobber is on it. Fire him. <laughs> Dan Illich is on it. DJ Tom Lound is joining us. Also, I booked in a special guest today. Yumi Steins is joining us on the panel as well. Wow. Is her hat going to fit through the door? I hope so. I'll talk to Giant Dwarf, see if we, see if we can make the doors wide enough to, to get Yumi, Yumi Steins and her hat in the door. Amazing. She's the best. She's the best. She's so funny. I'm excited to have her. Uh, uh, and letting you know, the, the live show, the 100th live show is the 10th of February uh, at Giant Dwarf. You can get your tickets uh, in the show notes. I'll add the link there. So please come along. It's our 100th show. Uh, and I've got a book that Robbie McGregor, I'm going to make Robbie McGregor read out on the show. I, it just arrived today from Amazon, uh, My Antifa Lover. It's a, uh, <laughs> let me read the back of this book. A young congresswoman falls in love with a darling masked protester in Seattle, Washington. After an, after encountering him at a non-violent burning down of a federal building, she can't tell what is hotter, the fire or her feelings developing for him. It's really exciting stuff. Whoa. My Antifa lover. Uh, <laughs> I've got to say. By the right. Well, that's it. I'm going to spend my time reading it this week and highlighting various passages and getting getting Robin McGregor to record them for the wow. live show. I'm very excited about that. Oh, my God. By Antifa that's Love. perfect. Worth the price of admission alone. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal Land of the Yoran Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair and Section 44. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. 
Tonight, GameStop shares hit a new high, but not as high as the 16-year-olds in their parents' basements buying GameStop shares. And the Chinese government is implementing anal swabs to combat COVID in the lead-up to the country's Lunar New Year holiday. In unrelated news, this year's festivities will have a lot more mooncakes than usual. And the New Zealand travel bubble is on hold for 72 hours to give New Zealand enough time to get their rampant case of COVID under control. It's the 29th of January 2021 and this podcast only has 60% efficacy. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, former Russian opposition leader, Dan Illich. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. You may know her from Triple R's Breakfasters. She is one of the best stand-ups in Australia. And if you go to her website, GeraldineHickey.com, you can find out all about Bitcoin in the Netherlands. It's Geraldine Hickey. Jez. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Jez, uh, do you know if your website's been hacked or are you simply into Dutch Bitcoin? No, yeah, love Dutch Bitcoin, love it. Want everyone to know about it. So, you know, what a great opportunity um, to let people know. No, I'll let that, I'll let that go. I, can, I never kept it updated anyway, so it's, you know, good good luck to the Bitcoin people in the in the Netherlands. That's what, great. Geraldine, what do you reckon the crossover is in terms of Venn diagram? Like when they bought that, when they bought that website, they're like, oh, my God. Geraldine Hickey fans are going to be flooding in here. And the first thing to think is we're missing the Geraldine content, but we do love Dutch Bitcoin. Yeah, I th- it's 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 a circle, really. I think you'll find it's not a diagram. It's people, like after, yeah, after shows, people come up to me all the time. They go, what can you tell us about Bitcoin in the Netherlands? Or what? Well, jump on my website. Um, it'll give you all the info that you need. And he's part stand-up, part butcher, so we know at least he is bilingual. It's Cam Duggan. G'day, Cam. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Very excited about being the least informed person you've ever had on this podcast and also the man who stole Geraldine's website. <laughs> I do love Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's pretty good stuff. Indeed, I've been in it since the days of the dark web. <laughs> and finally, don't try to phone our next guest because much like business associates of John Ibrahim, his phone is at the bottom of Sydney Harbour. It's Lewis Hobber. Yeah, I know. It actually, I actually got it back. Oh. Um, but it was very waterlogged. Um, <laughs> and now I, did, I got the screen replaced in Chinatown and now everything is green and the torch just comes on intermittently. <laughs> so it just looks like I'm, whenever I'm making a call, it looks like I'm sending out a coded message in Morse code <laughs> to help me. Help me. I'm being trapped by a, a, an endless anecdote. <laughs> yeah, you'll also find out that you get very little sympathy um, for a dropped phone when the place you dropped it is like on a boat in Sydney yeah. Harbour. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Yeah, get a new phone, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sell the yacht, buy a phone. <laughs> Coming up, we meet a woman who is spearheading a new campaign to help kids learn about the true history of colonisation in schools. We'll ask her, is she trying to kill off bush dancing during PE? But first, a sponsor. Good evening, paying subscriber. Rupert Murdoch here, saying thanks for my Lifetime Achievement Award. It fills me with enthusiasm for my final days of planetary destruction until I die. Well, let me tell you, I'm far from done. 
I've ruined democracies in the UK, the USA, and Australia, but there's still pansy little democratic countries around the world that have yet to be torn apart by my lieutenants. Defenseless little New Zealand, I'm looking at you. There's a real movement to silence conservatism, which is why my thousands of publications, TV networks and radio stations are home to them. And let's not forget MySpace, the future of the Internet. Once Facebook and Google are taxed into submission, you'll need an account. You can even put me in your top five friends, if you like. To young people, I say, do what I do. Try to destroy everything before you die, leaving behind a husk of a planet that looks just like my heart. Oh, and uh, <laughs> by the Daily Telegraph or the Herald Sun, confidential this week is particularly sexy, believe me. All right, always good to have Rupert's money on the podcast. On your Rupert. On your Rupert. This week's first fear, Albo has done a cabinet shuffle. You know, some people would say that uh, boiling a cup of tea or inflating a tyre is more interesting than a shadow cabinet shuffle. No, not me. Uh, Albo's got rid of the left faction's Mark Butler out of the climate energy portfolio and has installed the right faction stalwart Chris Bowen. Some would say it's like putting an arsonist in charge of the fire brigade. We shouldn't be surprised. This is Australia. After all, we did have Tony Abbott as Prime Minister, who was similarly uh, raising temperatures enough so that they would start, so that he could then presumably play dress-ups to put those fires out. Well, what does this mean? Well, it's a sign that Joel Fitzgibbon, is, uh, who is the member of the Hunter region, is now running the party from the backbenches. Upset about how much Labor was embracing climate action, Fitzgibbon quit the front bench last year to spend more time with his lumps of coal. He went on RN this week and expressed how pleased he was, saying that Albo's leadership is safe and that Mark Butler was a little too enthusiastic about climate change. Uh, fear mongers, uh, it's only, we've only got a few short years left to get our emissions down to zero. Is it possible to be too enthusiastic about climate change? Uh, Jez? What, what happens in a few short years? Are we all do we is that when we all die because we haven't done anything? Or? That, yes, that's that's what happens. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But Joel, but Joel Fitzgibbon will have a, a really good job uh, in the coal lobby. So we'll all be dead, but he will be slightly richer before he dies. Yeah, he will be able to afford a pool with a spa, uh, b- mm. which will then evaporate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. My complaint about the opposition was always that um, there were too many, uh, too much opposition, and it's nice <laughs> to just eliminate all of that. Just get rid of and any. Just come process. together. That's all we want, exactly. isn't it? Unity. Just coming Build together. The pool. Don't even, don't even worry about filling it. Just wait for the waters to rise. Done. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a- put a big fence around all the oceans and let them be your pool. Let's get the noodles out. Have a good time, I reckon. <laughs> it's so strange, like, when you, you as a voter are going into the polls to decide, like, who you're going to vote for this year when there might be an early election and you can't kind of see the difference between the parties at all, you know, to be have one party that's not really aggressive on climate action and have the opposition party also not really that into climate action when the biggest existential threat of our lives is omnipresent and bearing down upon us at 100 kilometres an hour. It's so strange. But it's all about jobs. <laughs> it's all about jobs, though, isn't it? Like the Labor Party's about giving people jobs, and there's no bloody jobs. Like trees will just take all the all the jobs. And, you know, <laughs> can't, can't mine. What what are they going to do? What what's next? You know, so the Labor's bread and butter. They've got to look after their 
they're people. <laughs> well, it's more like it's probably going to be more like toast and butter soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's interesting you talk about jobs. Um, here is, I'm going to play a little bit of John Kerry talking today about jobs and climate. So this is, the US government is, uh, ever since Biden has come in, they've done incredible things with uh, climate action, uh, which we're going to talk about in this next month's Gumpur coming up. But here's a little bit of John Kerry talking about jobs and climate. I think that, that unfortunately workers have been fed a false narrative. No surprise, right, for the last few years. They've been fed uh, the notion that somehow dealing with climate is coming at their expense. No, it's not. What's happening to them is happening because of other market forces already taking place. And, and, and what, the, what, the, what the financiers, uh, the big banks, the asset managers, private investors, venture capital are all discovering is there's a lot of money to be made in the creation of these new jobs in these sectors. So whether it's green hydrogen that is going to come, whether it is uh, uh, geothermal heat, or whether it, whatever it's going to be, uh, those are jobs. Man, why won't anyone tell John Joe Fitzgibbon what John Kerry has just said? It's it's so baffling <laughs> to kind of figure that out. It's so incredible that the best opposition to the government right now is Barnaby Joyce. <laughs> 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 It's coming from inside the building. <laughs> uh, Albo gets up every day and, and is getting absolutely dunked on in terms of dismantling the current government by the leader, or the, I guess, I guess not actual leader, but essential leader of the National Party. It's true. It's truly, ma- it's, it's magical, actually. It's so, it's, I just think it's so strange. Like the, the, the shuffle today was incredible. Here's what they've done. They've actually gone and not only have they created uh, the Shadow Minister for Resources, which is Madeleine King, but they have created Labor. This is Labor here. They have created a Shadow Minister for Queensland Resources because a, a Minister for Resources as a whole isn't enough. Why don't they just call that role the Minister for Adani? They might as well have done that. <laughs> yeah. I'm never upset about Queensland getting an extra look in, to be honest. <laughs> Eight in a row, never forget it. Uh, we <laughs> still got it. Well, you'll never beat us. Elect Thurston, you know, let, let that yeah. happen. He'd, he'd get it over the big sticks, no worries. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, nah, neither do I, to be honest. <laughs> I preface that at the start. I, I did a bit of reading before, tried to tried to tried to start learning how to read. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wait till this podcast come out and then learn about politics through this medium of me talking about eight in a row. <laughs> Get me in there, this, the shadow minister for being a fucking mad dog. <laughs> Cam, this is, this is exactly how QAnon started. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> You'll learn about Q once you learn to read. It's it's one of the letters. Yeah, it's right at the end. No, I'm not getting. I'll quit. I'll quit before I get that far through the book. Irrational fear. This is a rational fear. This week's second fear: the Netherlands is losing their shit news now. Yes, in the home of Peter Van and Hugen Band, they are going Hugen Goo Goo. Uh, a small, wow. and small. That is a wildly dated reference. Guys, <laughs> jump in. Peter Van and Hugen Band, Dutch <laughs> swimmer from the 2000 games. No. Jesus, Dan. C- come on, wow, mate. Wow, that's 
impressive to remember that. Gold medalist 2004 and 2008. So, come on, he's been around. He's the Ian Thorpe. What of, was his, Ian, did, did he have a nickname? What was his nickname? Hoogs, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy that said he was going to smash the Australian team like guitars, wasn't he? <laughs> no, that was the Americans. That was uh, – that was. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know anything about swimming either. <laughs> <laughs> well, all around, all around the Netherlands there are small anti-lockdown protests and they've broken out in their hundreds. Uh, they've, they've had it up to their wooden clogs and they're being forced to stay at home to help curb coronavirus, but they're not having anything of it. Cam is – this kind of is this kind of the kind of behavior you expect from the Dutch? It's it's kind of weird. Like coronavirus, like at this point, you can't still think it's a myth. Like everyone's doing it. Like you can't, you know, it's just like they're in a lockdown, and it's only for it's for two weeks. Like Melbourne, how long did you guys have to do it for, Jess? Uh, forever. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like and weed weed is legal there. Just fucking kick your wooden shoes off, have a lay down for two weeks. That's it. Nine p.m. till four thirty. What are you doing? Get your weed early, kick the clogs off, jump on Geraldine's website, learn about the Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learn about Bitcoin in your country. <laughs> Invest in your local Bitcoin. You know the Netherlands. Uh, people in the Netherlands are quite tall. They're like 184 centimeters on average for men, which is huge. You know, being inside is not good for them. They need to get out for a bit of a stretch. That's probably why they're mm. protesting. Probably do that before nine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but if they they know that they're tall, like build bigger houses. <laughs> could, and also, here's another question. Where do they rank on the um, world basketball? They're pretty good, aren't they? I don't know. I, I think the Lithuanians are quite good. I'm not so sure about the Dutch, Lewis. Uh, I don't think you hear a lot about the Dutch basketballers, to be honest. Obviously, <laughs> well, the swimmers. Obviously, we all remember Peter yeah. Van den Man and are still talking about him in 2021 because of the impact he made on our lives as Australians. <laughs> And Dan, just getting the getting the Hoogan Band back together in 2021, it's incredible. There you go. That's a better reference. <laughs> oh, rational fear. 1788, 26 January, for my ancestors, was a pretty little day. When those 12 ships turned up in Sydney all those years ago, it wasn't a particularly flash day for the people on those vessels either. A rational fear. This week's third fear, Google is asking Australia if they feel lucky as they threaten to pull the pin on search if the news media bargaining code becomes law. It's kind of fun to see how like big tech is reacting when like a little pain in the ass little Australian government is there to kind of threaten their profits for a little bit. After seeing local news decimated from the movement of ad dollars from publishers to platforms, the news media bargaining code enforces platforms like Google who scrape data from websites to pay for it. Um, Fearmongers, could you live without Google, do you think? Um, Lewis, would you be able to live without Google? Hmm. Um, I mean, I don't want to use Bing. That's the, that's the, that is the real truth. Like since I've started to ponder whether or not I can use Bing, I have genuinely been like, ah, oh, I know, I know people should be paying for news. Um, but, but I just, I don't, it, it will hurt me when I have to, when I have to do that. I mean, maybe I'll just stop learning. Maybe I'll just stop looking for things. Maybe I'll stop searching. The search will be over. I'll realize that what I was actually looking for was inside me all along and it was my spirit <laughs> and it was not where to find the best mechanic in my area. You know what? The real mechanic was me and I just needed to fix myself first. So who knows? Who knows where this crazy journey could end? But it is like the Australian Google battle is a bit like when you think of it, as you 
thing. Like when you pitch, it's like, well, it's David and Goliath. It's a little Australia versus big Google. And then you realize that in this instance, David is just Rupert Murdoch in disguise. <laughs> and it just changed the game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like the tech companies, in all honesty, have are, are becoming really bad actors. Do you remember like 15 years ago when digital and technology was like going to be the thing that saves democracy? And everyone's like, oh, the democratization of the internet, blah, 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 blah. But like over the last 15 years, we've clearly seen the degradation of democracy because of these big tech platforms, because of the spreading of misinformation. And it, it might not be the right kind of policy to kind of bring in to curtail them. But I also feel like tech companies should be held accountable for decimating news services around the world. But this this might not be the right policy. But I but I feel like they need to be held accountable somehow. Yeah. yeah. I, I think paying for news and 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 like not <clears throat> stopping hate speech is slightly different different arguments. But definitely something uh something needs to be done at some point about um paying for for news articles for sure. I, I don't I must admit I do sometimes I've read arguments on both sides of this and sometimes I I do sort of flip-flop on it uh, and I do get to the point where I'm like, oh, something should be done, but is it this? Yeah. Uh, Alan Cole has done some maths on it. Google is kind of offering like a peace offering to publishers. Uh, they've got this program called News Showcase. It's about a $300 million a year program and Alan Cole has worked out that the Australian revenue of, as a total of Google's is about 0.2%. So 0.2% of, of that $300 million works out to be about $9 million. And he's worked that out. He's like, if you split that up between 30 publishers, that's about $300,000 each or three journalists each which is kind of like, no, eh, well, I guess, you know, it gets better than nothing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wild. What are the alternatives? Geraldine, how, what would you use instead of Google? I'd call my mum and <laughs> um, probably give, um, if I wanted to know about rugby, I'd give Cameron Duggan a call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, root me up, Jess. How yeah. many in a row? Ten. <laughs> yeah. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's also this Yahoo as well. It's, it's still got a Yahoo email. Yahoo's great. So, you know, Yahoo's still going strong. If you wanted things from 15 years ago, that is the best place to go. Like if you type in best movies near me on Yahoo, you'll get a list of cinemas screening The Devil's Wears Prada. And you're like, oh, great. That's where I can see The Devil's Wears Prada. Yeah. Are they going to keep the I'm feeling lucky button? Because if they just take away the actual search and I'm feeling lucky, then I'm fine with that. <laughs> Irrational fear. Do you, uh, Yahoo? Irrational fear. As we record this episode, we're a few days past January 26th. It's a day that brings a lot of pain for a lot of people in our community. Uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison began the week by announcing that January 26th should continue to be celebrated as our national day, as it was not too flash for convicts either, setting the tone for centuries of Australian fashion. Um, his actual quote was, um, you know what, when those 12 ships turned up in Sydney, it wasn't a particularly flash day for those people either. Uh, Morrison was counting the 11 ships from the First Fleet plus the Ruby Princess. Uh, that's what he was doing there. Uh, opposition leader Anthony Albanese retorted by proposing a referendum on the date, suggesting that the best way to overcome division was a constitutional procedure that asked people to pick a side. Uh, Indigenous leaders responded to the group chat with a pointed but exhausted reference. They said, please, as per our previous communication, and attached the Uluru Statement from the Heart, which was marked as important, uh, but as of right now is still in the inboxes of leaders, has marked unrecognised 
red. But every year, there is slightly more pressure to change the date. Every year, there seems to be more people recognising that the 26th of January is not a date to celebrate the nation as a whole. And slowly, as public opinion changes, so will the date. One person who is doing their bit to see the change at grassroots level is Hayley McGuire, who is a Durumbal woman and South Sea Islander, and she's the co-founder of the National Indigenous Youth Education Coalition, and she has a brilliant new campaign to help tell the truth about our history. Hayley McGuire, welcome to Rational Fear. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. So tell us a little bit, a little bit about this campaign that you've started. Yeah, so the campaign is called the Learn Our Truth campaign. And basically, it's been in the works now for two years. Um, my organisation went around the country talking with Young Mob about our experiences in education and something that kept coming through time and time again was just how erased you feel when um, you grow up in your deadly black family getting told the local history, your the history of your people, and then you go into the classroom and it's just um, scratch that. Uh, history actually starts at 1788. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much why we started the campaign. There's actually, um, it's all about working with educators and school leaders to take a pledge to learn our truth. In the pitch video that you put out, there's a great moment that you use from In My Blood It Runs, which is an incredible documentary, mm-hmm. where the, the protagonist, do one is learning about Captain Cook. He's a young kid and he's being taught Captain Cook in school. I remember watching that film on the ABC, on ABC iView, and I was like, oh my God, that was the biggest fuck me moment out of the film. I'm like, that is fundamentally wrong to do that to these kids. Did you have a moment like that yourself when you were in primary school? Yeah, that exact kind of moment is the whole reason why I went into education advocacy and down the education road was because I was that kid in the classroom like Dewan getting taught about Captain Cook and mind you like I grew up on country on terrible country and things are changing now but I never once heard an acknowledgement um I don't think I ever heard the word like terrible mentioned in my school so yeah I definitely resonated with that whole experience have you, what sort of reaction do you get from students when you go in there, Hayley? Yeah, I mean, we, we've we talked to mainly young mob, um, but basically what we're hearing is that when they talk about colonisation, it's not so much just the, the black side of how deadly um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities were pre-colonisation. It's about not being honest about what, colonization actually meant and what actually happened you know people just tend to think that it was like this encounter you know like a settlement that happened but it was really horrific and you know it continues to this day to influence our lives um and the types of policies we have in the speeches that our prime ministers give and so I think that's the that's kind of the biggest thing is that a lot of mob are just like Dewan but for the young mob that we did talk to that had a positive experience, completely the opposite, actually felt informed. And a lot of my non-Indigenous friends who I talk to, when I just share about my own story and my own family story, they actually feel lied to as well. It's an injustice for all young people to um, expect you to be a full active citizen contributing to the society if you don't know the foundations. Oh, absolutely. I, I I don't know about you guys. I can't remember learning about 
country or the local nation of where I grew up in, in primary school. I do remember um, uh, dressing up like a convict and being paraded, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and like for uh, like for whatever day it was, and making damper. And but that's, but that's about it. Like it's such such a weird thing. <laughs> To like old mine sites. <laughs> you are, yeah. And, like, and we're made to like make the damper and <laughs> And I'm like, now it's a big cess- like it's a big pit that's like toxic. <laughs> <laughs> that was a school excursion and also the power plants. <laughs> Haley, is this right? You you were you were saying that Adani was like sponsored your 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 school football team. <laughs> Yeah, I'm from Central Queensland, and they re they sponsored our local basketball stadium. Did you have to I change mean, your name? No, it'll. I will call it Hedgefold Stadium till the day I die. And I don't even. I'm not even sure. Like, he could be racist. I don't know who that person is. But um, I'm back to Haley. Haley, imagine if it's best not to look that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just like there was like an article. It was blocked by a like a pay thing. I'm like, you know what? That's the law. <laughs> what about um, Geraldine or Cam? Did you did you ever learn about country when you were growing up on, in primary school at all? I remember we had um, we would have a local um, Indigenous person come and tell us stories and stuff, and it was just one day, one day in the year. So you know, we learned obviously everything we needed to know in that one day. I also remember our school thought it would be a great idea to do a a mural, so a big painting that all of us could be involved in and it was a dot painting and we all got to do two dots each. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's that's how we learnt about First Nation artists was by doing it ourselves. Indeed. We had a, a a non-indigenous man play the didgeridoo. That's how uh, that's how we learned about it. <laughs> that's some great re- regional Victorian education. <laughs> Do you know, I actually, I actually felt quite lucky, and I thought this was a pretty standard experience. But my school in Brisbane, we actually did like quite a lot of learning about it. Like there was a school just around the corner from us. It was like a Murray. It was called the Murray School, and we used to like interact. We used to interact with them quite a lot, and we're like. Our uh, our school camps and stuff always involved like going to like uh, you know like local indigenous people taking us and teaching us about like indigenous heritage from that area. Oh, you I thought s- it was great, and it's like it was a great experience. And I I thought it was, but it's like I've I realise now that that is not the norm. I just thought that was part of the curriculum, and it's not. There is a lot of curriculum in there, but like it, it's optional. Like really? so, yeah, that's crazy. Really? Yeah. It's so much more interesting than like what it, you know, everything else that people are learning. I know, like the, you can learn about ancient Greeks or, you know, like the Civil Russian War Revolution. in America. Yeah, like all of that stuff. But there is, that if you look, if you squint in the curriculum, you will see those, those diamonds of uh, First Nations history actually there. I mean, there still needs a lot of work to be done. And I think this is actually, I think the thing with the film as well is like that that educator who was in that classroom, that whole school did a big review on their curriculum after seeing it played back to them. And, you know, it's not, it's not like the issue of one teacher. This is a, 
this is a systemic issue. You know, it's about how we train our teachers. It's about how the curriculum is structured. It's about the professional development opportunities that we give, development opportunities that we give educators once they go into the classrooms. Like there's a lot of moving things that are at play, but I think fundamentally it's about this um, Australian story that we're so tied to, you know, like the the stories of Ned Kelly and, and you know, it's like this identity thing. And if you start that history lesson from Indigenous sovereignty instead of tar- Terranalias, then you've got a completely different conversation happening about how this country came to be. That That is so true. I feel like in, in 2021 there are lots of conversations happening in lots of workplaces and community groups where that conversation is starting to change and shift and it feels kind of exciting. Like I, I'm, in, I'm on the board of a radio station, large youth group, um, involved and those conversations are happening on the grassroots level there and it's kind of affecting everything that we're doing um, uh, in the station and that's and that's kind of exciting to kind of see that transformation happen it just feels like fuck it, it feels like it should be happening a lot faster <laughs> I know but young people today are just like I I mean I yeah I'm in a youth organization we extend the time like the age ranges as we get older <laughs> yeah I turned I turned 40 next year so I'm still counting myself <laughs> as a young person yeah young, from <laughs> 18 to 41 yeah <laughs> uh, yeah like, but for like the the younger young people today are just so incredibly like switched on and I mean I mean, I was using like Maybelline Dream Map at school for my makeup and now they've got contours and highlights <laughs> and like just so much. They're just so ahead of the game. I'm excited <laughs> for the youth. Um, tell us about the Learn Our Truth kick, Kickstarter or, or uh, Chuffed project you've got going on and you're, you're currently at 50% of your target of 50 grand, which is yeah. incredible. Yeah, so we're trying to raise funds because at the moment our coalition is obviously volunteer-led and run. And so we really want to make sure that the young people who we engage to really drive the campaign are employed, supported. But also we want to make sure that we can run the campaign throughout the whole year, talk with educators, community students, and really make sure that that student piece is at the centre of our work. Um, So, yeah, that kind of takes money, which is, yeah, we've been volunteers for like five years now and um, it's hard to grasp. You know, like, oh, okay, yeah, things cost a thing, like when you want to do them properly. So yeah. we're super excited with the level of support we've gotten so yeah. far. Well, you're currently at 25000 of your 50K target. If you want to donate to the Learn Our Truth campaign, I'll pop the link in the show notes. Um, it's a really worthy cause and please spread the link around social media as well. Hayley, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. Thank you. Uh, and a big thank you to the rest of our guests, Geraldine Hickey, Cam Duggan, Lewis Hobber. Uh, now, have any of you folks got anything to plug, L- Geraldine? Yeah, um, Bitcoin in the Netherlands. <laughs> if you want to know about it, jump on my website, geraldinehickey.com. Uh, <laughs> I would appreciate the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a few gigs coming up, and but I think very soon uh, I'll be having a show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, tickets will go on sale for that pretty soon, I hope. Uh, Cam, have you got anything to plug? 
Yeah, please uh, listen to the Mug Off podcast. It's uh, it's red hot stuff happening over there. Um, give that a listen. Do that with two other guys. I'm also doing a show in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with Alex Ward, a very funny comedian. It's called Tropical Strength. That'll be because uh, we're both from Queensland, so it just <laughs> that just makes that makes sense, doesn't it? Um, pop along to that. I think that's happening uh, the 29th of March to the. 4th of April, I think. It's Easter week. Come along. It'll be red hot. Hey, Maguire, we, Maguire we've, already, we've already spoken a little bit about Learn Our Truth. Do you want to plug anything else? Uh, yeah, go also support the coalition um, at <laughs> www.niyec.com. Excellent. Uh, please go check out Learn Our Truth on hashtag Learn Our Truth on social media. Uh, and I'll put the link in the, of the Chuff page in the show notes. A big thank you to Road Mike's Bertha Foundation, Go Neutral, our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Jacob Round, Rupert Dagas, Killian David, Maddie Palmer, and all the folks who chip in on Discord week to week. If you want to help support Irrational Fear, go to irrationalfear.com. Uh, and sign up also patreon.com forward slash irrational fear until next week there's always something to be scared of good night planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.